You're listening to Title Theme from Air Fortress, released in September 1989, composed by Hideki Kanazashi. Another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, oh man, we're back to back, it feels good, host of very good music, a VGM podcast every month with Shoot Kapow, it's Bedroth. Yeah, consistency. It feels weird after this past month and a half of not having anything release my own. <laughs> I know. It's good to be back, man. I know. It is we're, good to be we're back. Gonna pull, we're going to pull three weeks in a row here. With, I know. Uh, with our episode next week. So this is pretty impressive. Don't get used to it. We'll be back to the uh, to the every other week here shortly, unless things change. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcast or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review on there to help our visibility in terms of search results so that our show here continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now, patreon.com forward slash RPG era. If you want to head on over there, check out our tier, see what we're doing. If you feel inclined, you can toss a couple dollars in each month. If not, continuing to listen every time we put out an episode, that works perfectly fine, too. A uh, special shout out to our current executive producers. Uh, wow. I, that's the first time I've ever screwed up with name. Sorry, I tried to go to one, and then I went to the other, and I couldn't say either one at the time. Jacksax and Zenku, um, thank you guys both so much. And and Jacksax, I pointed this out in both Blood and Destroyers and and Max Level. Recently changed his name in Discord to uh, Jacksax, which is Jake with an X, and I never realized that. <laughs> yeah, which which I would like to think is a play on my name, which in our Discord is Brian, Brian with an I. With an I. <laughs> uh, yeah, for, for the the portion of the internet who doesn't know that my real name is not actually Bedroth, uh, it is Brian. But I decided to stick with Bedroth on this show since, uh, well, on on BG wait, Mania at well, least you were second. Brian first. Wait a second. <laughs> so if we both were Brian, we could theoretically still be bg mania but the b could be for brian <laughs> but what could we be the what could be the g brian something mania hmm. i don't even know man i we'll just feel like that would be so confusing if you were brian and i was brian we'll so work on that. <laughs> that's why <laughs> that's why i stuck say, with my other name we could say your name differently <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know you workshop that man let me know what you come up with it's... yeah i'll figure it out <laughs> i probably won't come up with anything but we'll see what happens um, I'm excited that we're here to do this because I think this might be the first time you've ever been on a radio hour here for BG Mania. It and is. You've played a couple of my me. tracks before, but yes, it's my first time had, being on here live. And, and I think we've even had your audio on a BG Mania in the past, but uh, we've never had you here in, in the flesh, so this is nice. And we don't have any listener tracks here on this episode because we did take 
such a long break initially and then came back for a few episodes and then took another break. We don't really have any listener picks right now, so if you want to submit some for future radio hours, feel free to do so. The email address, because I don't remember it, I think it's bgmaniapodcast at gmail.com now. I did have to change it um, <laughs> yep. since I lost a lot of the leveldowngames.com stuff since we went to rpgera.com. But the email address will be in the show notes, whatever that is. If you want to email us requests, show ideas, whatever, feel free. That all and you can always out. pop in on Discord. Talk to yep. us there. Like Seb was saying recently on BG Mania, it's a it's a it's a cool place. Y'all should come hang out. It is. It, it we we do get a slow trickle of new people in. It uh, it slowly grows. It's nice every time I see that pop up that someone else jumps in <laughs> there. But yep. yeah, so we have a fun assortment here today on this radio hour, and we each came prepped with seven tracks as we usually do. No theme in mind or anything, just a random grab bag assortment, eclectic mix as we usually do. I do tend to focus more on stuff that I've been playing. Uh, Bedroth, I think you just kind of went all over the place here, so I'm pretty excited for your list. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I am all over the place. I am not as active a gamer. The one game that I have actually played this month, if you don't count uh, phone games like Wordle and its various imitators, is um, Hades. Finally got into Hades and been enjoying that a lot, but... Yeah, soundtrack really. by Derek Corb. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. Um, once I when I came into this episode though, I just uh, I've got two different playlists on the Very Good Music YouTube channel. One is Bedroth and Shukapow's favorite VGM, which is just we throw up tracks that we just absolutely love on there, and it's a pretty sizable list, maybe around two hundred. And then I have an episode called Grab Bag of tracks that uh, are just I discovered them in my like research for the show, and I just wanted I to play them eventually. Playlist. Yeah. Yep. And I just pulled from those two playlists, and that's how I got my tracks. <laughs> I think mine is called Future Slash Random. But, uh, yep. yeah, I nice. throw everything that I know wouldn't fit into a themed episode that I still want to play into that playlist, and I generally pull from there if I don't have anything current that I'm going for. Yep. Um, but let's start Let's start chatting about this. So you brought us in our opening track. We, you know, we kind of sat down and figured out who was going to open, who was going to close this. And uh, what did you have there for the opening? So that track was the title theme from the NES game Air Fortress. Uh, I don't have any of the specs pulled up in front of me for any of my tracks tonight. So I guess people will just have to take a look at the show notes or you can do your thing and research while we talk. But yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll research uh, while we talk. Um, so Hideki this was September Kanazashi. 1989 and Hideki Kanazashi. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And I don't remember um, really like where he got the idea, but my dad heard something about this game in particular on the radio and it was just that it was just a really great game. And um, it was fun. It was the first hybrid um, style game I'd ever played where you've got two distinctly different types of gameplay. The opening is just a side scrolling shooter like your R types and gradiuses and things like that. But then Which after you go through so much. a little shooter level, you get to the air fortress, which is like this living floating fortress that is floating through the solar system and is going to try to take over Earth. They're like these locust hives, basically, that go through space and conquer planets. And so we, you have to, as your pilot, you have to infiltrate the air fortress, make your way through it, and shoot the core. And it's really interesting because you have energy as you go through the air fortress, and um, you can use energy to either make your spacesuit like hover and it's side scrolling vertical and horizontal um and uh 
You can either use your energy to make your spacesuit hover or to shoot. And if you run out of energy, you have to sit still until it recharges. And while you do that, you're basically helpless. Um, so it's not really a Metroidvania because there's no like backtracking or item collecting or anything like that. But the feel is very similar to like early Metroid in that it's a, you know, kind of a sci-fi um, tent situation because kind of like the end of Metroid, after you shoot the core, you have to make your way out of the Air Fortress before it explodes. And then you're so you on to the next game. shooting level. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I, I made okay. it to, I think, maybe Got the it. third Air Fortress out of seven a couple of times. But no, um, I, I never did. It's it's tough, <laughs> but but it's a fun game. And um, there are not a whole lot of different tracks in it, but everything that's in the game is is really, really good. I enjoyed it. And this opening track is just it's so cool. It reminds me of like John Williams and uh, just that sort of space opera-esque um, sort of feel. It, there, it's, it, it definitely has that feel and was the right time for that to be a big influence for sure definitely yeah late 80s right yes. right in the sweet spot and you said you um you'd never played this game i don't think no i've never played this i, I was looking at it while while you were talking uh it, it does seem like a game that i would enjoy i do really like any type of scrolling shooter whether it be horizontally or vertically um, I, I especially love shmups, but mm -hmm. I, I do really enjoy this style of game, so I'm a little surprised. And I, I'm familiar with it, but I, I am surprised I never did play it when I was younger. Yeah. Going so. back, I don't know that I would play it now. Because as, <laughs> as I've a... mentioned, I have a hard time going back and playing older games sometimes, especially ones that yeah. I've never played. This one, I think, holds up. The controls are, are nice and responsive. Um, the gameplay gets a little repetitive, so I wouldn't recommend anybody go back and actually commit to finishing it. But I think trying out the first uh, first level or so would be would be worthwhile for anybody who wants to go look it up. Uh, there's probably a reason it's never been like reported to anything, despite the fact that it's uh, it's a HAL game. Um, but uh, uh, cool, cool little diversion. And uh, like I said, the music is just top notch in this. Until Air Fortress 2 gets announced for the Switch. <laughs> right? Yeah, or an Air Fortress remake a la ActRaiser Renaissance, something like go. that. <laughs> so Hideki Kanazashi, he was credited on the U.S. version as Rodeo Kanagushi. And on yep. the Japanese version, he was credited as Jumper Kanagushi. And I think in some places, the word that's used for Jumper is also used for Escaper. I've seen Escaper Kanaguchi before as well. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it is interesting. Um, I don't know of a whole lot else that he did besides Adventures of Lolo, which I also really love. Um, mm -hmm. But are you seeing anything there for him? He does have several, actually. His first was F1 Race in 1984. Oh, okay. And his most... Or his latest, I shouldn't say most recent, uh, was Adventures of Lolo 3 in 1990, though he did do the sound mm -hmm. effects for Hole-in-One Golf in 91. Uh, he okay. was also credited, my god, he's been credited as so many different things. Zap Ajisai, Nige no Kanazashi, Nigata Zap, and Zap Rodeo as well. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder, I'd be really curious to learn the story behind all those different uh, pseudonyms. And I can't find anything on that, like anything of why he had so many different names. Yeah, because other HAL composers like um, like the Kirby guys, uh, Hirokazu Ando and um, um, Jun Ishikawa, you know, they were always just themselves. So it's, it's, it's yeah. weird. It's weird that he was. Yeah. I know that around this time, like I think we talked about in uh, our Yusuko Shiro episode back in the day, um, back in the day, last year, uh, 
there were a lot of different studios that had their composers go by like false names. Even Yoko Shimomura has used an alternate name in the past around this time because they were afraid of them getting scalped. Um, so I wonder if that had anything to do with this, but I don't know. I guess we'll it never know. It is possible because the, all the nicknames were between the era of, you know, 86 through 90. So yeah, that is, that is a very strong possibility in all honesty, but yeah, we'll probably never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got for us? I'm excited well, to hear what, you, what you're bringing. Yeah, I think you're going to like this first block here. So I, I've got prepped uh, two new releases, one that I've already finished. One that I've yet to play, but I'm very excited for. And then uh, a track from a game that I always go back to every couple months, it seems. So uh, we'll kick to these three. Bedroth and I will be right back after that. You're listening to Full Moon from Infernax. Released February 14th, 2022. Composed by Jason Letourneau, Jules Conroy, and Olivier Colliard.
You're listening to After the Ceremony from Lufia 2 Rise of the Sinistrals, released in May 1996, composed by Yasunori Shiono. You're listening to Get Ready for the River City Girls from River City Girls Zero, released February 14th, 2022, composed by Megan McDuffie, featuring Richardi B on guitars.
right, coming back in, we are talking about Full Moon from Infernax. Again, this released on February 14th, 2022, composed by three individuals. Jason, and I'm going to pronounce potentially two of these wrong, Jason Letourneau, Jules mm-hmm. Conroy, and Olivier Colliard. Yeah, French always escapes me. I'm not even going to try to uh, correct you on those, but it's um, a little difficult. <laughs> little difficult. <laughs> however you, uh, however you say their names, man, they put together a baller track right here, and in a baller soundtrack in general. Like the entire soundtrack to Infernax is this throwback style, obviously, to the 8-bit Castlevania, Ninja Gaiden, Metroidvania mm-hmm. type experience. Um, it's a brutally difficult game. Like, it, it is very challenging. It is manageable. I was able to get through it, but it is very hard. It is on Game Pass. That's kind of nice. But um, this particular track here, Full Moon, is the first introductory area that you come to after you theoretically, like, start the game, like your first open area. And when we were listening to it, I told you that when I first heard it, it reminded me a lot of Shovel Knight in the way that they used their opening track in their opening area because it does sound very similar in that regard yeah i definitely i especially picked out like i was telling you the um the drums and like the bass area parts and i'm not as well versed in sound chips to know if this is like specifically like the extended konami chip that they used but oh yeah it sounds really really faithful (laughs) and um it, it just reminds me of vintage Konami all the way through. It's it, This was really, really good. And the time signatures jumping around were just so much fun. This is a really, yeah. really fun track. They did a lot with uh, with the, you know, I think it was like a minute and a half before it looped again. So there was a lot mm-hmm. going on there. Uh, the drum usage right before the loop, I thought was, you know, they had like a little drum solo. I thought was yeah, a nice touch. Yeah, little time fills. Yeah, I thought that was a very nice touch. I thought that was cool. Yeah, those old retro toms are so cute. Yeah. <laughs> fun game, though. Super fun soundtrack. I definitely recommend checking out the entire thing. There's a lot of fun tracks just like this one on there. Um, super enjoyable stuff. And I'm not really familiar with any of these guys, so I don't, I, I'm not sure what they've done anything else. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. If they're like, uh, you know, a lot of other guys, maybe they've been in, in the demo scene for a while and then the studio picked them up or maybe they like know somebody on the team and so they got in and now we'll start hearing them a little more. But uh, but yeah, so is this game on Steam, I guess? Uh, it's pretty much everywhere. So I believe it's on Steam. Okay. It is on Xbox. It's on Switch. Okay. Um, like I said, it is playable via Xbox Game Pass if you have that. So I don't know if it's on PlayStation platforms. I would assume that it is as well. Uh, I think it's everywhere. Yeah, I think it's everywhere. So Cool. Very cool. The middle track there that I brought was, of course, we had to go back to Lufia 2, Rise of the Sinistrals. It has been a while. <laughs> that was after the ceremony. This released May 1996, of course, composed by Yasunori Shiono. I love this waltz, man. It is so beautiful. It's it's gorgeous. I just it this always gets me. Every time I listen to this, it always gets me. I've got a whole playlist of six, of six, eight, and three, four tracks um, that I call uh, the playlist is called Waltz of the Gamers because that's eventually what the episode is going to be called. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, this this is really good. This one is on that list, and um, it I, I do be remember. On that list. Yeah, I do remember hearing this one before. I have never played any of the Lufia games, believe it or not, but. Just through my um, BGM community experience, I've definitely listened to a lot of the soundtracks, and and Yasunori Shiono just really 
um, I'm really surprised that, that his catalog is not bigger than it is. Yeah, we were looking at that while listening to it. It is it is pretty slim. He is mostly just known for composing the music of the Lufia series. Um, you know, did a couple other games that never really released outside of Japan in between. But mm-hmm. Lufia 2 is the only one that I really look back fondly on. Like, I have a really soft spot for this game. I love everything about this game. The other ones are good, but never really felt nearly as strong to me as, as this one was. Um, something about this one, man. This is this game I thought was super special for the Super Nintendo era, and definitely underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a game, because like I said, I'd, I'd never, this one was not even on my radar, and I, I was a Super Nintendo kid, so... If anybody had uh, happened across it, it would have been me. But, you know, I played um, Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger and Earthbound and all the other stuff. But this one just doesn't get as much love. Yeah. But... And, I, and I feel like if it would have, Yasunori Shiono probably would have been bigger. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You have a good point. Because all the composers on those other ones I just mentioned definitely went on to do more stuff. So. They absolutely did. <laughs> <laughs> they blew up for sure. So, yeah. Love this track, though. Very good waltz. And uh, I have another track later on that is uh, another waltz, so that'll be fun. I'm looking but forward to it. My last track there that I was really excited for, probably the, the track I was most excited to play on this episode today, Get Ready for the River City Girls from River City Girls Zero that just released again February 14th, 2022, just like Infernax, the, composed by Megan McDuffie, and it did feature Richard B on guitars. Oh, man, this is so much fun. It's so good, man. I love, and this is obviously the title track, but I love everything about this. Through the lyrics, Megan McDuffie is spilling out kind of like what the River City Girls are all about in terms of gameplay and just personality, but at the same time is able to perfectly capture their personality through the music and lyrics. It's so good. It's so good. And it's totally my vibe. What a sound. Yep. And yeah, it's it's got that 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 excellence, just sort of 80s ballad um, sound to it. But with lyrics that their turn of phrase is just completely, you know, 2020 era. And um, that guitar from Rashad E.B. I love everything this guy does. Um, he has uh, done several tracks with uh, with Arbe, Christina V. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of covers just, of other video game tracks as mm-hmm. well. His guitar work is phenomenal, and it really shines in this one. I was, yeah, I was excited when I saw the description for this. Yeah, it's a super great track. There's a lot of that, uh, you know, you did mention the 80s. It does have a lot of that synthwave, retrowave feel that I really love about it as well. Um, I, I can't say enough good stuff about Megan McDuffie, man. She kills it every time. Like, it doesn't matter what she does. It's just so fucking good. Yeah, she's just such a such a talent and just such a cool person as well just um god i love her and i hope that she just everything blows up and she gets to do everything she wants because she deserves it she works hard definitely man and i and i love that she you know her style is so in line with with what i love so i can always look forward to whatever she's doing so yeah. it doesn't matter like i know i'm gonna like it it's always it's gonna really have that synthwave retro style like that. feel to it i'm gonna love it mm-hmm. yeah there's there's one track that i'm bringing to the episode that i think might stand up to this but otherwise Uh-oh. even knowing what's coming and how much i love the tracks um this is track of show for me so far Uh-oh. but we'll okay. see we'll see <laughs> we'll see 
But let's jump to one of your blocks. Uh, you've got uh, you've got a good block coming up here. It looks like. Yeah, this next one, um, a few favorites of mine. Uh, two games that I just um, I, I like a lot, and one game I haven't actually played myself, but I love this track and the whole soundtrack is fun. Um, we're going to be listening to the um, classic classic underwater theme, also a waltz from TMNT on the NES. Um, Papyrus theme, Bone Trousel from Undertale, which I was flabbergasted had not been on the show before, but I'm excited to be able to bring it because it's my favorite track from Undertale. I don't know that um, we played a ton of Undertale. And uh, Papyrus is my favorite character as well. He's just, he's so goofy and fun. And then we're going to listen to Blitz It by the in-game band, the Chirpy Chips from Splatoon 2. You're listening to Underwater from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, released June 25th, 1989, composed by Jun Funahashi. You're listening to Papyrus' theme song from Undertale, released September 15th, 2015, composed by Toby Fox.
You're listening to Blitz It from Splatoon 2, released July 21st, 2017, composed by Toro Minagishi, Ryo Nagamatsu, and Shiho Fuji. That's block was underwater from the classic, classic, everyone loves it, NES TMNT game. <laughs> uh, Papyrus' theme, also called Bone Trousel from Undertale, and Blitz It by the Chirpy Chips from Splatoon 2. Nice, eclectic bunch of tracks there. Brian, what'd you think of those? Man, okay, so talking underwater, since that's what we're listening to in the background here. I forgot that was in that three force twelve eight style. Sound yeah, I would say probably signature. six eight. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I um, this is also in my my waltz <laughs> track. But I don't know for whatever reason this track just always hooks me. I love so much of the music from this game, but this one probably because I spent so much time on this damn level. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's it's. It just sticks with me, and I really like it a lot. Yeah, so looking this one up, this was released June 25th, 1989, composed by Jun Funahashi, according to Wikipedia. Early uh, Konami track. I think Funahashi did a few more things for Konami as well, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, you can hear so much of this soundtrack on several other systems. This game was ported to several um, oh, yeah. PC systems like the Commodore 64 and stuff. It's and, on the Spectrum. Shout um, out to that episode. Yep, there we go. It is, but <laughs> the NES definitely has, in my opinion, the best version of the soundtrack. Um, but for anybody who hasn't listened to this one, it's not a very long soundtrack. Very, very good. D- did you spend much time with this game at all, Brian, as a kid? So I did play this. I, I don't know that I have finished it as a kid 
Uh, I would lean towards saying <laughs> there were no, very but few, I never I think finished it. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say I would lean toward no. But I did play it, and I remember it being very enjoyable. And looking back, it was rated pretty high. Like, it was a decent game for its time. Yeah, I actually saw a YouTube video. I wish I could remember where I saw it recently about how um, the theory was that a lot of the perceived hate for this game was really just in response to one video by the um, Angry Video Game Nerd. Which who very wasn't even Yeah, wasn't even being, like, he even later said how much he was being satirical in that and that he had some nostalgic feelings toward this game but it is also it, it's infuriating at times it's it's an 1989 nes game by a third party so you know it's not gonna necessarily hold up in today's market but i i enjoyed it a lot when i was a kid there's no turtles in time that's for sure uh, yeah for sure yeah and it definitely <laughs> is overshadowed by tmnt2 on the nes oh for but, sure yeah um, the arcade game absolutely but yeah. i would actually say as much as i love tmnt2 i would say the music in this one is I enjoy it more. I think it's more diverse and it goes more places than the TMNT2 soundtrack does. Yeah, I, I would I would probably say that's a fair assessment for sure. This game, I mean, the soundtrack is is really strong. And uh, better it. soundtrack. It's very, very strong, as everybody has been talking about for the last five years or so, <laughs> is the soundtrack to Undertale by Toby Fox. <laughs> What a great soundtrack, man. We've played a few... We haven't played a ton of Undertale on BG Mania. We've played a few tracks. Um, it's it's right for the picking, though. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Well, and of course, everybody knows um, Megalovania and... Um, Which we have played. Yep. About a year and a half ago, um, Shukapau and Dusklight, uh, my daughter and I, did an episode about all about Undertale around Halloween that um, Dusk kind of taught, went through the narrative of the game and played some of her favorite tracks. Um, that was a good episode. This I remember one, that one, yeah. This one is my favorite. Uh, Papyrus is my favorite character. He's just a... So Megalovania is the track that plays when you fight Sans, who's kind of the, the meme character of this game. And Papyrus is Sans's older brother, who wants to be the captain of the monster guard and eventually catch a human for the king. And he thinks that he is just the hottest thing ever, the best ever. Um, but really, as you find out through the narrative of the game, he's just a lovable goofball, and um, he's the very definition of the tryhard that you can't help but love anyway. And this, this, you pointed out that, that this track has almost like a polka feel to yeah, it, which I, was I had never to, picked I was out asking before. You, like, what genre does this feel like? And then it hit me. I was like, it's kind of got like a almost like an accordion style polka feel to mm -hmm. it. and toby fox is great at like melding genre as are a lot of guys who uh, i don't think that he has any classical musical training and a lot of composers who are that way meld genre a lot like koji kondo and nobuo imatsu and um yeah this is you're right it's it's kind of a it's a dark polka which is perfect for papyrus's character it's a great piece of music too man i was hooked the entire time i i i want to because we were listening to it and the melody felt very familiar to me mm -hmm. but i can't say with any certainty because i've not played undertale if i have heard this before i want to say i have but i loved it very good pick great Good deal. Glad you enjoyed it. I also loved your last pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that You had that to come actually, through with a vocal pick, and I love it. Yep, brought a bit of a vocal track on this one. Uh, the, the chirpy chips, bringing it home. And uh, <laughs> I don't know anything about Splatoon 2. Um, Shukapau, my, my son, does have it and plays it a lot with his little brother. And um, I, I played some of the first Splatoon with him, and he always trounced me. I'm I'm horrible at these kinds of games, but they're so charming. <laughs> the aesthetic is so cool, and the music just rocks. It's, Dude, it's... the soundtrack to both games is such 
a freaking joy. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear what they bring out for Splatoon 3. Me too. And, uh, but you were talking about that that 80s style that the McDuffie track brings for you. And, and this has just got a... It's, it's nostalgic for me in a very particular way because around the time I went to college, punk was really getting like a resurgence. Yep. And there were punk covers of everything. Um, and uh, this has just really got that sort of... It's right there in the middle of cheesy and cool. Um, that is everything punk is to me, and <laughs> I love it so much. It's so great. So I don't necessarily know who does the vocals for the Chirpy Chips or Chirpy Chirps. Chirpy Chips. No, it is Chirpy Chips. But uh, we have composers Toro Minigishi, Ryo Nagamatsu, and Shiho Fuji for Splatoon 2. Yeah, um, and I, I don't, I don't I know if any of them did the vocals. But I heard that it was Toro Minigishi at one point. I, I, I want to say that I heard, I, that's what I was thinking, but I wasn't sure that that was true. Yeah, and I can't I can't verify it, but I think that's my hunch. Um, yeah, I do know that he is very very talented. Oh yeah, Tormenegishi was involved in uh, the Zelda series Absolutely. for a while since um, Nagamatsu since Majora's Mask, and he's been yep. involved with it ever since. Yep, Nagamatsu has been. I always get him mixed up with another Nintendo composer lately. Is Ryu Nagamatsu the one that's been involved with, like, Fire Emblem and such? Or is he also involved in some of the Zelda, like, um, um, the late, the, the recent remake of, um, yeah, that, Awakening? That's him, yeah. Ryu Nagamatsu okay. is the more recent Zelda remakes. Uh, he started out with, like, the Wii Play, Big Brain Academy stuff. Gotcha, did, uh, yeah. New Super Mario Bros. Yeah. Wii, Super Mario Galaxy 2, and then went on to start doing Zelda stuff from there. Okay, yeah, 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 cool, cool, cool. And then uh, Shiho Fuji, she has um, also been around. Uh, I want to say she's also involved in the Zelda-verse. Uh, Are you seeing anything for her? Yes, 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 no, yeah. So Skyward Sword, she did the soundtrack to Skyward Sword. Okay. Uh, but that is her only Zelda. She did the soundtrack to Odyssey, Super Mario Odyssey. Okay, it's Mario. Gotcha. Yeah, she was involved with the Mario Kart 8 soundtrack, but mm -hmm. um, also involved with Animal Crossing. She did do the soundtrack for City Folk, but nothing after that as well. Okay. Do you see Ring Fit for her anywhere? She did. Yeah, case? that was her most recent okay. Ring Fit adventure. Yep. Yeah, I thought she was one of the ladies who worked on Ring Fit. Yeah, that, that was her most recent credit. Another cool soundtrack right there. But it's, yeah. Which I did have, but I never finished. And I think when, when Jessica and I split, I think she ended up keeping the Ring Fit set uh, and okay. the game, so I don't have it anymore. Yeah, we've got it as well. Shukapau got into it for a while, and we actually, in the room where we have the Switch now, it, it's nice and conducive. It's big open space, so nice. I should get back into it. I need to it work works, this guy. dude. <laughs> it does work. Yeah, it really does. It absolutely does. works. Yeah, it definitely does. Well-made game with, again, very, very cool soundtrack. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know that we've played anything from Ring Fit Adventure on BG Media. Next maybe. radio hour. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump to my next block here. I'm pretty excited to get to this one, too. I have another game that I am currently still playing, one that I just recently finished as well. And then, man, just one that I love because of Akira Yamioka. I can just never get enough. <laughs> so we're going to listen to the Crimson Mirelands number one from Pokemon Legends Arceus, followed by Lyricism Without Tears from Yakuza 3. And then we're going to close this block out with Nightmarish Waltz from Silent Hill 4, The Room. Bedroth and I will be right back after these three. You're listening to Crimson Mirelands 1 from Pokemon Legends Arceus, released January 28th, 2022, composed by Hitomi Sato.
This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. You're listening to Lyricism Without Tears from Yakuza 3, released March 9th, 2010, composed by Hadanori Shoji.
You're listening to Nightmarish Waltz from Silent Hill 4 The Room, released September 7th, 2004, composed by Akira Yamioka. Again, we are talking about the Crimson Mirelands number one from Pokemon Legends Arceus that did just release on January 28th of 2022. That particular track was composed by Hitomi Sato, several other composers on the soundtrack as well, including Mr. Goichi Nose, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course, of course. And uh, Hiro Mitsu Maeva as well on that soundtrack. Okay. But this is field music for one of the areas that you are exploring in Legends Arceus. There are several areas that you kind of go about uh, throughout the journey. And it's set up similar to like a Monster Hunter type of a game Mm -hmm. where Jubilife Village is your main hub that you continuously go back to. 
And then when you leave there, it says, what area do you want to go to? Right, right. You can pick the Crimson Mirelands or the forest area that you start out in or the beach area that you unlock next after this area or whatever. Like you can just pick the area that you want to go to. And then once you spawn into that area, it's a sort of big open world, but you can't travel from like one area to the next without going back to town first. Okay, um, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, so it's not it's not Pokemon Breath of the Wild quite Correct. like we a lot of people thought. It's more Correct. like Poke, Pocket Monster Hunter, I guess is kind Absolutely. of the way you put it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but it is probably my my most enjoyable experience that I've had with Pokemon to date. Now, I'm not a huge Pokemon fan, as I've made known on um, several podcasts, and I wouldn't say that I'm not a that's probably the wrong way to put it. I do like Pokemon. It just never hooks me and I never stick with the games. But <clears throat> the way this one was set up and the way the gameplay works, I, I enjoy the openness of being able to walk around with the Pokemon and just, you know, you can run past them if you want to. You don't have to engage in battle. You can literally just run away. You, you, you can do whatever. Like this game is, is totally open. And, and I think that's what I'm enjoying most about it. And what's really nice is that all these field musics, they have several different versions, but there's also day and night versions as well. Oh, cool. That's very cool. And you know, the night versions are always more chill. Yep. Yep. Kind of a kind of Xenoblade in that way, I guess. Very much so. Whereas the areas in Xenoblade always have like a, you know, a day and nighttime. And boy, do I usually prefer the nighttime versions in those games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of times as well, uh, with a couple of specific uh, exceptions, but but yeah. Um, and I, I am interested in getting into this game. I Kind of like you, I will start a Pokemon game and then not really get too deep into it. Uh, I think the farthest I ever got was in Pokemon Platinum, which one of my students wanted to play way back in the day when I taught high school, and then nice. uh, Pokemon black i want to say because that was shukapau's first pokemon game and okay, shukapau cool. loves pokemon to this day just adores it uh shoot is actually starting a youtube channel um sometime this year and the first things that he is playing are um pokemon shining pearl and then legends arceus um those that's what he wants to start with and so I haven't gotten too deep into this because I don't want to like get past him. <laughs> right. But um, this this do will you, be so do the you next. Do you guys own this yet or no? We do. Yeah, we do okay, own perfect. it. Perfect. Um, and not counting new Pokemon Snap, which I still want to get back into. This will be the next Pokemon game that I play. So I think you'll enjoy it. Like I said, if you, if you're like me when it comes to Pokemon, there's a a lot that you know traditional Pokemon has in this game. But there's also a lot that it does differently that I think really changes the formula. And I think yeah. Game Freak is going to have to keep that in mind going forward. Like, we have all these different styles of Pokemon games now, right? With, like, the mainline traditional generation games. We have the remakes that they do, like they just did with uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. We have now the Legends Arceus style games where they're sort of like origin stories back in the, the regions when they're first starting out. But then we also have the Let's Go series too, so we have all these yeah, different which is style its own take of Pokemon on games. Yeah, it's it is. Yeah, that you're right. They're gonna and you know they're they gonna keep, keep doing all of these, it, right? Like Let's yeah, Go they, Johto they is to. gonna happen. I feel like they have to. Yeah, yeah. There will be another Legend style game where we go back and explore the origin story. Like it's just working out too well. But I think there's still gonna be people that really want that traditional style Pokemon for the generation games too. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. 
It's interesting to me that they started out with uh, with this region because um, this is the region that eventually becomes the one in the Diamond, Diamond and the Pearl. Pearl. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that they didn't start out with um, Kanto or Johto. That's uh, or I might be getting them mixed up. Is, no, is you're it right. Johto or is this Johto's, Johto is two, and then Kanto was the first. Yeah. So yep. this one, this one I think was Gen what three or four, something like that. I, I want to say it was Gen three, which I think would be Sinnoh. Yeah, it uh, is superpower in, in, here. in this okay, game, yeah. it's uh, Hisui, but that's because it hadn't actually but become that's because, the Sinnoh yeah, region yet. Yeah, right. Yeah, it is interesting that they didn't start out with Johto or Kanto, but um, yeah. yeah, I guess I'll have to get into it. And uh, th that's really my bread and butter. Um, I guess m one of the main reasons I never really got into the Pokemon series is because the stories never really hooked me. Right. Um, mechanically, it's actually more it's deeper than most RPGs because oh, of all the different There's variety so with all the different but the stories in art in traditional RPGs tend to hook me more because you care so much more about the characters and in this game and poke and generally in Pokemon games it's more about the mechanics I was gonna and say the, it's never really about the, the, the collectathon in Pokemon yeah games. they're all the same yeah so the mm -hmm. yeah they're, they're not really that different so good track though good track very good track my then, middle pick yeah. there from Yakuza 3, which I did recently just finish Yakuza 3 Remastered thanks to Game Pass. That one was called Lyrisum Without Tears, released initially on March 9th, 2010, composed by Hidenori Shoji. I love the guitar work in this track. It is phenomenal. Yeah, this was my favorite of this block, and... Um, that the guitar work just really stole the show. I love how it just kept going and it had different, uh, you know, the music just kept evolving. And I told you um, that's one of my favorite features of Yakuza music. Um, Alex Messenger was recently on another podcast and did helped out with a showcase of Yakuza tunes. And nice. I was exposed to quite a bit of it and really, really liked it. So and you mentioned like some of the more like well, I, I, I may have pointed. I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but we were talking about like some of the dancey club element feels that this track oh, has, yeah. and mm -hmm. it makes sense for this particular piece of music. Now, this is a boss fight, and the particular person that you're going up against it takes place in one of the cabaret clubs within Camaracho. So, like, it's kind of cool that the music does have elements of that in there. But the other thing you pointed out to me was that you were not surprised I enjoyed it so much because of the fact that it does kind of sound like Bon Jovi and the guitar work with Richie Sambora. <laughs> yes, yeah, the guitar really reminded me of... Um, I think this track just kept evoking in me um, It's My Life, specifically. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's... But yeah, the guitar work is straight Richie Sambora stuff, and I, I really dig that as well. I think we talked on one of our other episodes recently that I was on about how you're in the minority among BG Mania of uh, Bon Jovi fans. But, I am. Um, I, I am with a fan you. of the Jovi. <laughs> I am right there with you. And yeah, this was a really fun track. And I'm interested in looking into these games. Um, now that I actually have a PlayStation, I can probably find a few of them. Um, yeah, so they're good games. We they, will, we will you have know, to they, see. They do play similarly to like a, a Grand Theft Auto meets Shenmue style experience to where they are sort of open. You do have free reign to move about the city. You can't like jump in cars or anything like that, but yeah. um, you can walk in and out of like different shops and there's a bunch of stuff to do karaoke like i said cabaret clubs mini games especially the further you get into the series the more that becomes available as technology increased so like 
some of the more recent games like Six and Like a Dragon are just freaking packed with stuff to do. <laughs> but and the stories like are all Shenmue, connected. Is this one of the games where you can like go into arcades and play classic yep. Sega arcade games? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. That's so cool. Just like Shenmue was too. Yep. So there's there's a lot of elements from from you know those those style of games that I like, and I feel mm-hmm. like because Shenmue did fade away for so long after one and two, the crowd that really appreciated those games did move on to the Yakuza series because they were so similar. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, that makes sense. Yeah. Great soundtracks though. Uh, great games. I do recommend if you can playing through them in order because like I said the stories are all connected so jumping in to a, like a specific point you are missing out on stuff now there are you know ways to catch up on stories and they do have recaps and that kind of stuff but the games are all excellent and they all have great stories they're all super long too like if you really invest in them they're they're decently mm-hmm. sized games so there's cool. really a lot to like with Yakuza and, I, and I'm trying to catch up it's one of my challenges it was a challenge for last year on the Max Level Podcast that I didn't complete so I am still trying to complete it this year. I'm trying to get through all the Yakuza games. So I'm well, on good four. Good luck, now. man. Yeah, I'm on four. More power to you. We're getting there. I need to get through four, <laughs> and then I can move on to five, and then I'll be with the most recent, six and seven. So I'm pretty excited about that. And then my last track in that block was from Silent Hill 4, The Room. That was called Nightmarish Waltz, which is not a waltz, as we figured out while listening to it. <laughs> uh, released yeah. September 7th, 2004, of course, composed by Akira Yamioka. But yeah, this is actually in the 4-4 time signature. So that's interesting. Yeah. I don't think I ever realized it until uh... we pointed it out (laughs) because I'd never really pay attention to that kind of stuff when just listening Mm -hmm. initially. It does have elements of the waltz feel to it, just in the wrong time signature. Yeah, some of the melodic structure and everything is is similar to that. And... uh... But yeah, the time signature is. Um, I, I kept waiting for it to to change and turn into a, turn into a wall style. Even for a brief but, moment, um, but yeah, we didn't get it. Yep, did not but get that. Still, very nice. And I mentioned to you, it's got a. Well, you actually used um um the word haunting, I think. Absolutely. And uh, it's it's got that darkness, and it reminded me of some some of the night music in Xenoblade Chronicles X, which has some similar like industrial notes to it, and. Uh, very cool. Very cool stuff. I like this one. Something about Akira Yamioka, man. I really enjoy his work. Like, he, he has a way that really speaks to my soul, I feel like. He's got a lot of darkness within him, I feel. And I, and I feel like oh, yeah. that bleeds through his music. It definitely feels like it. And was Yamaoka involved in the any of the Silent Hill movies, as far as you know? As far as I know, no. But I'm curious. Let me look. Because I remember... Um, so he was the executive producer of okay. the first, but it doesn't look like he did any of the music. Oh, well, no, I take that back. He did do some of the music for Revelation. Okay. But not all That's of it. That's interesting. Yeah. He did it, he did it with Jeff Donna. I haven't heard a, a great deal about those movies, which probably doesn't bode too well. But uh, the first one is really good. Okay. Okay, I cool. I really liked the first one. I have never been a big horror game kind of guy. Uh, I did watch a lot of the first two games being played through by a buddy of mine back in late high school, early college. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say there's one. This is the uh, the Pyramid Head series, right? Yes. And I want to say there was part in one of the games where one of the, I don't know, like ghost monster things or whatever you're trying to hunt down um, is like a he was a, a, a serial killer who would 
d dissolve his victims in vats of acid and it showed <laughs> some of those and it was just really really dark really weird stuff but um you know that's what for i love about these games my age i was that's into what I it love back about then these games but i can't play them uh, if i'm in control I, I get too way too freaked out. So. See, there's a, there's actually a game coming out this week on Thursday called Martha is Dead. Which you is, have been talking about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a psychological, like a first person horror thriller style game that it got censored on the PlayStation version. So it's censored on PS4 mm -hmm. and PS5 when it releases. But it's going to yeah. release uncensored on PC and Xbox. I am very excited to play through that. It is going to be, I'm sure, very disturbing, very uh, screwed up. I, I try not to swear on BG Mania that much, but I'm sure it's going <laughs> to yep. be really Effed fucked up. up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm very yeah. excited to, to play through it. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be excited to hear you talk about it. I've seen you and the guys talking about it in Discord. So. Yeah, Kyle's kind of looking forward to it, too. I think he might he might check it out. I'm not sure. But I don't know, man. I, I like darkness. I, I don't know. I This type of stuff really, really speaks to me. I just dig it so much. <laughs> yeah. I can get down with the darkness sometimes, but I, th I think when you add the, the horror elements to it, it just... Uh, um, maybe it comes from me being raised evangelical and believing for so long in like the reality of angels and demons and things like that, that it just, and it, it so creeps, creeps me out in a little bit you. too visceral of a way. It's yeah. so interesting to hear you when you get off on your tangents about that stuff. Yeah. Like when, when you were, when you guested in, uh, was it Kyle's, uh, or was it Frank's? I don't remember, but. Boy, you oh yeah, rip, I guess it's on Frank's. You ripped rip some of those Christmas um, songs a new one. Oh god, yeah, yeah. That was on that was on Frank's uh, terrible Christmas yeah. song showcase. Um, and you, um, you brought the Christmas the, shoes, which I which I luckily mentioned in my block right before. <laughs> yep, you did. And man, I, I don't know. There are some things about that time that uh, that I do remember fondly, and it may be who I am today. But but there are definitely I've, I've got some baggage from it. And there's a that's a podcast for another podcast. But maybe if we ever do a religious episode part two <laughs> yeah we did do we you did and i do, have each uh, done one i was gonna say yeah. we did with frank we did our what what did we do uh churches and cathedrals churches and i think temples or, or some some crazy yeah, thing like that something yeah. like that yeah yeah which was the episode that brought us a lot of hate for some reason which was hilarious wow <laughs> <laughs> well it's a touchy subject you know so yeah if, i know um, it is what but, it is you know silent hill uh it's um does it ever get into like any like religious themed horror Absolutely. or anything? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because it's been a minute for me, so yeah, definitely. Not as much, but certain, some of the games do play around with elements of of religion. Okay. For sure. There's a lot to mine there for sure. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I love games that play around with with religion. I I love it so much. Well, everything in my next block musically could probably not be more different from I'm Nightmare excited. Waltz. I'm uh, excited. I think you're going to really, really like this track. It's it's a little bit of a sandwich because we've got some rockin' tunes on either end, and then we've got straight up Eurodance in the middle. Oh, nice. And um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be good stuff. Um, but I'll let the music do the talking for a little bit. First, we're going to listen to the boss theme from the PC Engine game, uh, Ginka Fuke. Densetsu Sapphire. Yeah, I think that's how I would have said it too. <laughs> yep. Then we're going to listen to the Orbital Ring Systems Cargo Bay stage from Tatsunoko versus Capcom Ultimate All Stars on the Wii. 
And then we are going to listen to the still in development fan game, Mega Man X Corrupted. This is one of the favorite tracks that Shukapau and I have played on our show, the Power Plant stage, also called Sparkling Scorpio. You're listening to Boss Theme from Ginga Fukui Densetsu Sapphire, released November 24th, 1995, composed by Satoshi Miyashita. listening to Orbital Ring Systems Cargo Bay from Tetsunoko vs. Capcom Ultimate All-Stars, released January 26, 2010, composed by Yasumasa Kitagawa, Kota Suzuki, 
Akihiko Narita and Rio Uritani. Listening to Power Plant from Mega Man X Corrupted, currently unreleased, composed by Dominic Ninmark.
All right, we are talking about the surprise dark horse track of the nights that uh, <laughs> from Ginkafuke Densetsu Sapphire. That was the boss music, and man, this must be a really intense boss fight because that was a really intense track. <laughs> yes, this is phenomenal. So this came out November 24th, 1995, exclusive to Japan. It looks like a shmup, so I know for a fact I would love this. <laughs> and oh my Makes god, sense. dude, this track. This is, I, I might say this is my favorite on the episode. I don't know. This <laughs> might beat out Mega so McDuffie good, for me. This is phenomenal. <laughs> Uh, and it makes sense it would be a shmup. I know that was popular on the on the PC Engine, yeah. especially around the PC Engine CD. And um, I'm, I can't say too much about it officially yet, but I'm going to be guesting on a, another well-known video game music podcast and talking about some PC Engine stuff here in the, um, in March at some time. And uh, we'll definitely that. talk more about it after that, uh, after that airs. But that's how I discovered this track. And I was telling you, I almost brought something else. Um, but then at the end, I swapped it out for this. And... Um, I'm glad I did. <laughs> I am glad you did, too, because I was not familiar with this track, and I needed to be. So thank you. You're welcome, man. This, this is so much good. There is so much fantastic music on the PC Engine CD. Oh, there really is. Also called the TurboGrafx CD, of course, in the States. And um, just, just such great stuff. This was the first machine playing CD-quality audio in the home game console market. Absolutely. This came yeah. out. Before the Sega CD, before the Amiga CD, uh, this one was was the first one. And man, you can tell some of these composers were just chomping at the bit to get they some real instruments out it, there, dude. <laughs> loving it. And there's so much like Nihon Falcom in this track as well. I know this is Hudson Soft, but man, mm -hmm. if I didn't know, I would yep. probably guess that this was Falcom. Yep, for sure, for it's sure. Just Which that is rocking, man. like the highest praise when it comes to this kind of music. Absolutely, <laughs> right time frame, so too, good. time period. I mean, so good. Yep. And speaking of Falcom, we talked about them when you guessed it on uh, very good music last year mm -hmm. and talked about mm -hmm. Yuzo Koshiro. Absolutely. And one of the um, things I said that I, I discovered I really loved, uh, I finally had a name for it, was that 80s sort of synth dance style, which uh, of course is Eurobeat or Eurodance. And um, Koshiro did a few of those, but the next track that um, I featured in my block was from Tatsunoku versus Capcom, a fighter on the Wii that I never played played but that gets a lot of positive buzz um, a lot of people say it was the best uh, traditional fighting game on the Wii and this was um, oh gosh I don't remember I don't know anything about the Tatsunoko fighters but this yeah, is for I don't really either unfortunately Tekaman Blades stage <laughs> the orbital ring systems cargo bay what did you think of this one man I love this so I pointed out to you that I am also a, a kind of a fan of the Eurobeat style and, and so much so that one of the remixes we use for Max Level in, in the backing tracks for Kickstart My Heart is a Eurobeat remix of Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue. Yeah. Um, dude, this just, this just, it hits, it hits good. And it sounds great with headphones. Like, I freaking love this. Yeah, you mentioned they were doing some of the work over in the, uh, in the left channel and um and everything and yeah this sounds it's just you fantastic you really get there's, to appreciate that with a good set of headphones there's so much going on and yeah that would have been lost on uh, people playing on the wii for sure 100 <laughs> um, yeah I, I i i am not a huge fan of the wii i make that known every single time um yeah this game did release january 26 2010 here in north america 
I think we've played one or two tracks because I know Frank loves this game. It's got a decent soundtrack, and and like I said, I don't know how it would have controlled because I I think you could actually play it with just a Wiimote. So I, I don't know how that works for a traditional fighting game <laughs> because it's basically got the same number of buttons as an NES yeah, the I controller. Yeah, I'm not sure, yeah, but, but I wouldn't know. But I've heard lots of people say that this this is really fun. So, I don't know, you never know. It's got a good soundtrack. I do know that. Yeah. And then the last one was the, it was the track I was most excited to bring to the episode. Um, our very good music track of the year for 2020. One of my favorite things I discovered through the podcast, Sparkling Scorpio, the power plant stage from Mega Man X Corrupted, composed by Dominic Ninmark. And uh, this is a fan game still in development. I think there may be a demo floating around out there. If you search for Mega Man X Corrupted, you'll find all kinds of information about it. Um, there's definitely gameplay footage that looks cool. It, it looks like a really, really interesting evolution of the Mega Man X formula. Um, if it had maybe gone a different direction after Mega Man X 3 and 4. Right. Um, uh, you know, before they brought in Axel and stuff like that. So I always but. appreciate these fan projects and what they try to do. It's unfortunate that, you know, so many of them do get shut down because a lot of them have some really good ideas. And uh, it, mm -hmm. it would be cool to see more stuff like that. Yeah, um, I don't more know that we'll like ever Sonic see this Mania completed, where, you know, they actually get recognized. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't even know but, that we'll ever see this get completed at this point since it's been so long. But mm -hmm. at least we have what we do. And this is something that I, again, was not familiar with. Now, I, I know that I've seen Mega Man X Corrupted floating around on the internet for years, but I never really looked into it because it was a fan project. And that's something that I tend to not really dabble in too much but i yeah. really like this track dude this is good i love i love the guitar in this one yeah, and, a lot of um, guitar on this episode we really do we we did we did it was really great uh i would not have discovered this track 100 if it weren't for my podcast um the sixth episode that we ever did uh was one of the first ideas i had and um i finally just decided to do it and it was our horoscopes episode where okay. I, I had the idea to play um, a track that mentioned the name of every one of the zodiac signs, Scorpio, and I even threw baby. in the uh, <laughs> even threw in the thirteenth one that doesn't get a lot of love. Um, I don't know how to say it, but uh, Ophiuchus or something like that. Um, but it's a uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a Libra, and um, we played Libra of Souls from uh, Zeno, um, not Xenoblade, uh, Soul Calibur Six, okay. which was just fantastic. That was my second favorite track from that episode. But this. Blew me out of the water when cool I found idea it. for an episode too. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely encourage people who haven't really listened to my show very much. That is one of the ones that when people say, where should I start? That's one of the ones I push them back to. It's yeah. the first episode we did that I'm really, really proud of. Yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool idea for a topic for sure. What'd you do for Aquarius? Do you remember? Uh, Aquarius, I believe we played a track from, I don't remember what it's called but oh no Aquarius um I was thinking of Leo we played um there was a an old Capcom fighting game where there was a um a lion who is one of the characters and I, I don't remember <laughs> what it's called Red Dawn maybe but now I, I want to look up what, what we did for Aquarius um uh, oh oh it was from uh, Castlevania oh okay Cast Castlevania 3 Aquarius yeah that makes sense okay so, yep. makes sense makes sense <laughs> Just pop back into my head. Yeah, that good. was actually one of the tracks that gave me the idea uh, for for doing the episode. So, nice. yeah, Chris, I had to bring I'm, that. I'm an Aquarius in terms of horoscope, so <laughs> even though I don't really pay cool. attention to that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, me neither. It's fun, but yeah, me neither. 
I'm more of an Enneagram guy than a Zodiac guy. Um, I don't even, I don't even <laughs> care. But good choices. I did like that block. That was a nice way to kind of cap us off here for this episode of Radio Hour. But, this was uh, so much fun. Really yeah. enjoyed being on here for the first one of these. Yeah, me. I love doing these, man, where we just kind of sit back and listen to whatever. No theme in mind. No Yep. No really plan in mind. Just whatever happens, happens. No plan, no pressure. Just <laughs> Pretty taking much it, it sleazy. Pretty much it. But uh, <laughs> we do still have one track to chat about here before we get on out of here, and that is our closeout, which does come from Shenmue 2, kind of. This is the Song of the Bay which is a track that plays when um, Ryo kind of is standing there watching uh, Shenhua, who's sitting in a tree. Uh, It's a really beautiful kind of peaceful scene that happens in the game. But the track that I chose here is from like an album that was an orchestral version of a lot of the Shenmue music. And this particular piece of music just freaking shines with an orchestra. Like, it just is so good. Yeah, this was really, really cool to listen to. Um, I uh, it, it's just There's this sweeping part in the second half of the track that I, I think people should listen for, but very, very nice way to um, play out this episode that really had some sort of hard rocking elements to it. This is a nice nice kind of um, bringing you way down to bring us before back we get down. out of here. Yeah, for We're sure. Bringing it down. We got a nice, slow Japanese tune. It'll be, uh, it'll be a good way to close it out. I know some people probably won't stick around, but I encourage you to. This is a really too. beautiful piece of music, and like Very I said, nice it really track. shines with that orchestra. It really does. There are moments of it that really remind me, and you I don't know how familiar you are with the World of Warcraft soundtrack, but... Only from the, podcasts. Part of the sweeping <laughs> movements in the, in the music really remind me of some of the stuff we hear in, like, Elwyn Forest and stuff. <laughs> It almost sounds yep. spot on. It's it's kind of cool. But yeah, good way to close out the episode here. Stick around. Appreciate this track. But Bedroth, I think that's going to bring us to the close of the show this week, unless there's anything else you wanted to mention here before we get on out of here. No, not really. I don't. I was glad I was able to make it. Uh, wasn't sure there for a little bit, but man, this was... A lot of fun. A uh, nice yeah. way to um, nice way to spend a part of my President's Day weekend. Um, I know. Nice three day weekend. Excited about the three day weekend. weekend. Yeah. Yep, nice for sure. Three day weekend for both of us here. <laughs> Definitely nice. And uh, hopefully some of these off weeks here, we'll be able to get you in more often. That'd be fun if we can keep that hope up. So. Yeah, I hope so. I've got some ideas, uh, things I've been wanting to do for a little bit that didn't really fit the format of my show that you and I have talked about some. So yeah, we'll, I'm pretty excited. we'll see what we can work out. Yeah. This is, is going to be fun. But uh, for now. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania, made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. If you like video game music and more importantly, you like us and you want to help us grow the show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to our brand new Patreon. It's not really brand new anymore, but, uh, you know, it's still on there if you want to help support us. (laughs) And again, the Discord is in the show notes. Make sure you click on that and join us and interact with us. It's a lot of fun on there. Um, Taking us out of this episode, we are listening to, once again, Song of the Bay from Shenmue 2. This did originally release October 28th, 2002, initially composed by Ryuji Ayuchi in Shinji Atsuka. But I have no idea who, unfortunately, was responsible for this orchestral version, so is what it is. Keep the music playing and keep it loud. Tsu 
Good night.